what is up everyone um we have a, a big cast today <laughs> which <laughs> i wasn't expecting for the second episode but we're here and that's okay um as you all know i'm charlie and welcome to lights camera chartark i'm just here for the cookies and i have cookies today which is actually surprising i have two I mean, that's pretty awesome. Um, <laughs> they're very confused of why I just called them cookies. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh my god! I thought you meant you got cookies and you weren't gonna let me have any. Dude, for real. I'm the cookie. I just figured that out. Yeah. As you guys were always figuring out what cookies meant and why I said there's no cookies here today. Yeah, it's because I don't have any people here. Co people or cookies. Um, anyway, to introduce my lovely guests that are here today. This is my pal. He's my neighbor. It's Coffee Creamer. <laughs> He's here. <laughs> that's, that's who I am. That, that is who I am. <laughs> and over here is my roommate. Slot, like a swell sweet, sweet mate. I call them roommates. It doesn't matter. They still live. We still share the same toilet. It's okay. Yeah. And it's uh, Ducky over here. <laughs> Guys, we have a new camera today because the camera from yesterday, not yesterday, the last episode sucked. It kept cutting out every 12 minutes, and I wasn't going to fall for that this time around. So we got new camera, which is my phone, WI phone iPhone 13. Totally not plugging for Apple, but Apple, if you sponsor me, we we chillin', my friend. We chillin' very much. Um, but we also have a fancy mic offered by Coffee Creamer over here because he's the G. The true G. <laughs> um, but to get into our scheduled program because we have a lot to do today, we are going to be reacting to the five nights of freddy's movie that came out a couple weeks ago which we all must agree it's all pretty shit but we're gonna go into a deep dive of it because this is a movie podcast anyway so we're gonna try this new format where we watch it and we pause it and we talk about it and that will be kind of the the gist for today and yeah i don't know do you have anything to say <laughs> oh my god do I have a lot to say about this movie? All right. Yeah, I do. And we're ready. So let's, I don't know, get into it. Let's get into it. I have a chair now. Shout out to Jimmy Four. Oh, <laughs> Ducky has a chair, everyone. Okay. Let's let's give some preface to the FNAF movie. Okay. Um, so we've been waiting for this movie for what? Like five years, six years? That's about, that's about been waiting for it since i was a kid been playing all the games you know the casual jizz and then don't lick my <laughs> finger what we've been waiting for this movie for a long time we all played the video games when we were younger which we we're all probably like i don't know like six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen no one was six playing FNAF. i was <laughs> <laughs> FNAF came out in 2013, FNAF 1, FNAF 2 came out in 2014, 
I don't know what the fuck Charlie's talking about when they say they were playing it at 6. doesn't make any fucking sense. The game didn't exist yet. Game wasn't even a thought. It wasn't even a sperm and fucking Scott and fucking Scott Cawthon's Scott Cawthon's brain cells, all right? Wasn't even a sperm. To move on from this. (laughs) (laughs) To give a little bit of a backstory because we have 30 seconds before the movie will play. Five Nights at Freddy's is about a guy that wanted to... Kill kids through animatronics. <laughs> I know he also hid them in the animatronic because I'm being corrected right now. Um, anyway, basically, this is kind of a retelling of the story or an attempt to tell the story of Five Nights at Freddy's. We all think they did it pretty poorly. Apparently it's in a different universe. I don't know. No. <laughs> Bro, imagine that the FNAF movie is like has its own like FNAF cinematic universe. That's fucking crazy. The FNAF. Wait, I thought I thought the movies, the books, and the games are different universes. No, the books and the the books and the games are in the same universe. Because who the fuck is Mike Schmidt? I thought I. Mike Schmidt is a main character. But what about Michael Ashton? Oh my god. They're the same guy. Just watch the movie, Ducky. Watch the movie, Ducky, okay? Shut the fuck up. Watch the movie. (laughs) Anyway, guys, we're going to be watching this, and we're going to stop to, like, talk about certain moments, which, if you are an audio listener, you would have to be watching along with us in order to know what we're talking about. We're already off to a great start. It fucking start. glitched! It glitched, guys. It glitched, it glitched everyone. <laughs> we haven't even gotten to the main screen. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like, it said glitch try. Is it? Okay. But then it Does didn't it turn into Jesus. Meow! It would have to turn. Is that Springtrap? You would think that Bloomhouse wouldn't fail this movie. Blumhouse. Blumhouse wouldn't fail this movie, but they did. I like A24. I mean, they failed a lot of movies, you know. I mean, like, Happy Death Day. Come on, guys. Do you think it was Ass Crack? <laughs> no, I'm not. Yeah. This is Ducky's first time watching Five Nights at Freddy's, oh, by the way. Oh, now that's a chair. Talk about the foxy entrance. (laughs) Oh my god. Foxy, what the fuck? Oh, that's Freddy. 
haven't played the games either, so I don't know. <laughs> Oh, we don't have to. We don't have to pause, or we can. I don't know. Um. So basically, one thing I have, I love that scene. But the only thing I have a big issue with in that scene is that dude yelping. Oh! 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 I it it takes the seriousness out of the out of the scene. I wish that his. I don't know. He's like he's like yelping like a kid, and it's weird. Um. But I don't know if that's like his fault as an actor or if that's the uh you know like the director or the script called for him to have like high-pitched yelping but it's weird and it feels out of place especially because his like breathing sounds like he has a voice like close to mine but then when he yelps it sounds like he's like talking like two octaves above mine it's like my so. customer service voice exactly it's like a customer service like, voice I mean, with with that, I actually never really like took into effect of that because I always ju I just automatically assumed it was like natural fear, so like just being afraid of getting your like face like fucking shredded like I would automatically assume that, that like I think it would just be like ah ah <laughs> like oh, I'm about to die <laughs> I'm a because because men are women in their hearts. <laughs> Anyway, to keep yeah, to keep moving on. Um, the movie after the like opening scene, it kind of goes into like this like little montage of like elements from the Five Nights at Freddy's like location, and gives like kind of like a foundational credits to everyone that has produced this film. Um, from like the director, producers, like our production, because without those people, we wouldn't have these films, which. You know, we're very grateful for them. But basically, to kind of, like, I am a huge fiend for, like, cinematic stuff. So, like, how it's being told visually. And I always enjoyed watching this, like, opening, like, credit scene. Just because of how visually satisfying it was to watch and see how they made the set and how they're going to kind of... It gives you, like, a starter motion of how this movie is going to be. Which is why I kind of loved it so much. But the story itself, I'm a bit concerned. But visually speaking, perfection. I mean, adding on to that too, like the this montage part is, I think, <laughs> one of the stronger parts of the movie. Um, when it starts, I'll comment on it. You're not missing, Nick. see like the way it's animated like in the games and it tells the story right like here's here's William Afton putting on the the, the spring trap suit and he's just kidnapping kids um yeah I, I think it's really like it gives everybody that who played the games a nostalgic feel but it also gives everyone who didn't play the games or doesn't understand the lore at all a general idea of what's happening, right? And yeah, it's a really strong scene in the in the movie. Sets everything up. Also, we can't ignore this banger of a song.
And then when he looks back at us, man, I want him to look back at it. You know what I mean? Like, First off, we're starting off strong, right? Josh Hutchinson, hot as fuck. Hot as fuck, right? Nebraska is an important aspect of this critique. I like his little home movie thing. It's really cute. Is that his sister or his daughter? Five? Gotta love brother and sister relationships, everyone. For y'all that have siblings out there, we all know what it's like. This dude's hot as fuck, and I don't know why they didn't put him in the movie more. Um, yeah, that's just my take. Mega thirsty, that's me. Yeah, I'm mega thirsty for this dude. Oh my god, does he die? Is he a kid that gets killed by Aspen? Watch this moment, everyone. Who's that? Who's that chick? I mean, it was an aggressive grab, but yeah. Did this kid just get kidnapped? Did he just get aftonized? Aftonized is a new word in the dictionary, okay, guys? <laughs> aftonized. The process of stealing, of kidnapping and murdering kids. For those of you who have actually ever been in a government office like this, um, this is a perfect representation of what that's like. Guys, Shaggy's here. For everyone that ha does not know anything about the Five Nights at Freddy's lore, um, the reason why the person that is Will Afton is called Steve instead of William is because, like, obviously Afton was being haunted by the police and stuff. So, like, so he can save the multi Sort of makes sense, but not necessarily. I mean, like, Shaggy's hot. <laughs> <laughs> we, we love Shaggy, guys. <laughs> Here's one something I want to say about this, real quick Matthew Lillard is a phenomenal actor. I love him. A great actor. <laughs> and it feels like it's such a, he's such a, a lost soul because no one ever casts him because of that Shaggy role he did, even though he's a fantastic actor. He was so yeah, like his in the old ass movies. Love We're talking about since Shaggy, this dude has not done anything else. Like even though he's such a phenomenal actor, and um, and yeah, he deserves more recognition as an actor. But he seems really happy with his dice making company. So yeah, he makes dice like for D and D. Yeah, he makes like D and D dice. Holy shit! He's just he's been talking about his dice launch more than he has about the FNAF movie. He um he rec he recently actually recently made uh it was like a vodka drink, um based off like D and D like um like thingies. It's gonna be out in the in the future. Looks like July. Okay. 
while describing their dying job. Actually, the pay is okay. It's competitive compared to other University of Oregon jobs. And notice the delinquency. That's when they like when the bank thing will take your house for not paying your taxes. This line is fucking weird. <laughs> and I don't know why they wrote it in there. Is that a go kart? No. That's why it's fucking weird. It's fucking weird because you because you think she's his girlfriend and she's not. <laughs> it's just a babysitter and she's and the the weird tension between Josh Hutcherson and the babysitter is fucking weird. Not important to the story at all. I like her better. She needs to brush out her curls. Not brush them out. She needs to like separate her curls. If you guys are watching the movie along with us and have been pausing at the same time as us, you'll notice the drawing. Keep an eye on that drawing because it's going to be important for what? later. Just so you guys know. Love the transition, guys. The painting into the trees. So We gotta love this transition as well. We can also talk about the lawyer here. <laughs> the lawyer, my friend, is very funny. And he is an amazing actor, and he should be paid a lot of money for what he has done in this film. <laughs> Money. I just want to point out to this actress that it takes a unique kind of acting ability to play the ability to fake act, which I think is pretty cool, and she does a good job of doing that. This scene is fantastic too. Coffee's being weird. Um, I'm just stretching. <laughs> Um, I think the one thing that kind of sucked at this part was that we didn't really necessarily get the um, the phone guy. Wait, what about it phone guy? We didn't get him. It was Steve here that kind of. Okay, is there a new phone guy? Um, kind of spoiling himself right there, but yeah, we never really necessarily got in the uh, the phone guy, which kind of sucked. The phone guy was really funny. And he was kind of an essence of the video game, so like it really sucked that they didn't 
have a specific phone guy for us, but you know, it's. I think I well I kind of actually disagree with the statement. I think the um, Matthew Lillard being the phone guy was a really clean and good, good like, and I think it does justice to the game, like. Like, I mean, does it have to be like, hello, hello, hello? You know, like, it didn't... I like that it was serious. Um, I think it goes along with the theory that the phone guy is William Afton. Um, which I don't know if that's been a confirmed theory, but... Yeah, he's the one who tells you all this stuff. But I also think, like, he might be... Like, I think there's a theory that he's phone... Or that he's William Afton himself, who's giving you these directions. So... I think it's kind of cool, and it kind of plays to the to the theory. You know, kind of flirts at it a little bit. I guess what like I guess makes this like conversation very like I think a very like kind of like different types of perspectives because I am not super deep into the lore of Finite Space. Like I don't know too much, and my experiences of playing the games I've only played the first three. And I played the first game more than the other two. So I've only known, like, just kind of, like, basic lore about Finest Freddy's. I watched a couple MatPat videos to get a little bit more background than what I knew. But my, my like, knowledge is very, like, low. For the rest of the um, time that we are here, we're just going to be kind of, like, skipping to certain parts of the movie that we would like to like talk about specifically uh just because we realized that it's honestly a little bit easier and i think playing the first like 20 minutes of this film kind of gave you all kind of a breakdown of like what the story is about why mike is working there and kind of just like a understanding to why this why this storyline is happening which in a sense it's a little weird when you like continue to watch it which is why we're kind of not going to go really deep into that too much we'll kind of like talk about what we've known from watching it a couple weeks ago which i saw two weeks ago i just had a bit of coffee over here um so yeah, we're just going to choose specific scenes that we want to, like, specifically talk about. And we'll kind of just, like, take it from there. And that gives us more room to just, like, talk as much as we want without having to worry about playing the whole movie. Because you guys can just watch it on your own. It's free on Peacock. Um, you can go see it in theaters. You know, pay 20 bucks to go see it. Which, in reality... That <laughs> the freeness kind of sounds better than the twenty bucks, um, but yeah, we're just kind of we you kind of already got a foundation of the fi- of the movie. I'm gonna keep switching from movie to film, and that's gonna like screw my head up. <laughs> um, but now we're just gonna like pick scenes and then just like go into like a deep down on it, and yeah. Um, I just want you to know that you saw me on my phone, and it's because I was looking up who Phone Guy actually is, like, canningly. Uh, Scott Cawthon confirmed that his name is Phone Guy, and there is no actual thing. But there is working theories that he is 
that he is William Afton, and I like that the movie does achieve that. But, like Charlie said, we will be skipping chunks of the movie, so... Okay, so the first scene we decided to choose, which is, like, six minutes after where we were, <laughs> <laughs> legit, um, and this is kind of, like, a introduction to the children, which um, is the animatronics, if you didn't know that. Uh, there are five of them, and there's one specific one that stands in front of them, which we can automatically assume is the leader, and... Spoilers, if before we keep going, if you have not watched Five Nights at Freddy's and you haven't seen it at all, then we suggest that you do watch it before continuing on to the rest of the podcast because there will be spoilers and we don't want to spoil it for you because that wouldn't be cool. I hate spoilers. I know a lot of people do, but if you don't care, then, well, you're lame. I don't know what to tell you, I guess. <laughs> um, But... The kid with the blonde hair is Golden Freddy, as we find out at the very end of the movie, which I figured out, actually, before we even got to that point, because it was very, it was very um, obvious, and it made sense, because there's only four animatronics in all the scenes of Finance of Freddy's, except the very end, which we do see Golden Freddy for the first time. Um, and just, like, the way that the kids were, like, set up in this scene, like, the placement and just the setup of all of it, I mean, it's pretty obvious that the kid in the blonde hair, aka Golden Freddy, is, was the leader, the ones that made all the decisions, the one that was communicating with Mike, because all the other ones, obviously, I think they're younger than him, yeah, they're younger than him, so they don't, they don't know what's going on. They're just following whoever their leader is, which in this case, it would appear to be Golden Freddy, but we all know that William Afton has all the control and everything. Yay, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, I think I think Charlie said it perfectly. Um, yeah, and there's something to say about this little kid, too. This kid is one of the best actors. Like, the kid who plays Golden Freddy is one of the best actors in this film. Um and we he doesn't get enough credit for this. Uh, that kid's going to grow up to be a phenomenal actor. He already is a really good actor. And I really like his game. I think the acting is what makes this movie, you know, okay. Um, the good acting in the game. So, yeah. I think it's very interesting of how the transitions of this scene was because it, the point of it was to show how the dreamscape that Mike is in is actually his reality and it's kind of like he goes into it I think at some point in the film where like his dreams it's kind of like a lucid dream type thing where like what is happening in his dream is actually happening in real life or it's like his real reality but the way that they did it in this film was I mean they transitioned into it so the moment he starts chasing one of the kids whatever happens to him when chasing them legit happens to him in the real world so in this case he tripped on a rock when chasing Golden Freddy he actually fell in the 
next scene in reality of which he's waking up and realizing wait whoa, whoa what happened i am on the ground now i thought i was just sleeping um and it continue on it continues on every time he goes to sleep and interacts with the kids uh and i think at one point when he's chasing foxy he gets like cut on his arm and he gets like it's a cut on his arm i think that's actually the next time he falls asleep yeah because that's when he meets them i see Okay, so we have a scene that we want to go into next. <laughs> okay, so here's a scene that we chose next, and this is the scene where we get introdu- introduced to Vanessa. This is also where Charlie was just talking about um, how he gets cut by Foxy, but yeah, and there's Foxy right there. Um, there's a lot for me to unpack with this scene, so I want to get into it. The fact that they use the the light sound from the game to be the buzzer sound for this movie is actually really cool. Okay, this is where I want to unpack. Um, the movie is great. The movie is great until it gets to this point, and there's a lot of reasons why. But the reason is, I believe that the actress who plays Vanessa is a terrible actress, and um. The writing isn't great. Like, the writing isn't phenomenal. It's nothing to write home. It's nothing to write home about. Um, but so far, we have seen really good actors, right? We've seen uh, Josh Hutcherson, Matthew Lillard, um, his, the, the woman who plays his aunt. Um, they're all really good actors. And then we get introduced to Vanessa, who ends up being a main character in this film. And, um, and she's a terrible actress. And so the writing really starts to like to start, you know, it starts stabbing you in the eyes um, about how bad the writing is once Vanessa gets introduced. Okay, I'm so glad that like someone else agrees on with me on that one, because I forgot who I was talking to. I was talking to someone else that watched Five Nights at Freddy's and I was like, Vanessa seemed off when she was first introduced, like her acting was a bit concerning. And if you, like, watch tons of movies, like I do and, like, Coffee does, like, you know you know the difference between good acting and bad acting. And when Vanessa was first introduced, I was like, there's something off. I had a feeling it was, like, the director in me, I was like, Vanessa, you seem off. I'm not liking this acting right now. And I think, like my opinion on all that and I feel like it was purposeful because you notice like the growth in her acting as the um as the movie keeps going like by the very end you're like okay she's not acting like a pretty ma- princess na- she's like being genuinely s- like serious like upset and I think because of that transition like you were able to see the how it was all kind of a like a cover of like her trying not to show Mike that she knew everything and I think that's why it seemed off when like watching her in this very beginning because it was like I think she was legit trying to cover what she was like hiding and the bad acting was a way to actually hide it from the viewing as well. So, that's what I think. Um, 
like I had mentioned earlier, I think that there's there's validity to that statement. Like, there's it could be purposeful. It could not be purposeful. Purposeful, because I think like honestly, the part where she's like the best actor is at the end when she's talking with William Afton. Um, that's like where she's her acting is really good. Um, that being said, like I said earlier about the ants, there's a, a unique skill that comes out of good actors. My ponytail keeps fucking with my ear. I'm sorry. Um, the when it comes to good actors pretending or wait, good actors playing roles of bad actors, and there's a there's a nuance in that, right? Like the the ant does a good job of, or the actress for the ant does a good job of pretending. Okay, so this scene was pretty much the intro to the audience of all the animatronics except Freddy, which is really interesting. We don't see Freddy until we see we see we see Freddy after, which I didn't care because I've seen him since they came back. <laughs> but I kind of wanted to just go into like the first killings from each of the animatronics, and the first one was Chica. And Chica and her adorable cupcakes. <laughs> We're going to call them adorable because, you know, they're interesting. Um, I genuinely loved how they did this. Because it was definitely a sense of partnership between the cupcake and Chica. And, like, it was like the cupcake was the first thing to kind of instigate, like, oh, there's something going on here. And then Chica pops up, and you're like, oh, where did she come from? And it kind of gives that idea of how the video game was with the constant, like, changing of, like, movements um, and, like, this fast-paced, like, kind of, like, glitching out idea of, like, one minute they're somewhere and one minute they're not. And I think with... This mo this movie being rated PG thirteen, I wasn't actually disappointed with the fact that it wasn't very gory. I mean, at the moment where you know Cupcake is literally scarfing down the kid's face, like I was kind of like, I'm kind of like, part of me wasn't too fond of like us being able to see what was happening and I think that was like kind of like just a weird thing in my head because I was thinking like I think would have like brought a lot of suspense and I think this is just a me thing but I kind of would have wished that we didn't see any of it like how in the video game is we don't see us like being like seeing what exactly is happening to us we just kind of automatically die and I think that's kind of just, like, me just, like, trying to live in the video game kind of reality. So, like, I was kind of just, like, hoping, like, we, because if they really wanted to present themselves as PG-13, there wouldn't be 
this much violence being put into it and i'm actually taking a cinema and censorship class so like i'm kind of learning like the foundations of like censorship and like how it has grown over time and how these specific ratings mean different things and now being in the modern age like we are in this area of censorship where we like pg-13 is completely different than r-rated and r-rated is different than like x-rating and the limits in which these ratings have like changed over time has like it's actually ridiculous of how much it's changed and if i had all the time in the world i would go through each each um version of the production code from now until most recent times and you could see how dramatic each changing like each change was and what people thought was r-rated and what people thought was pg rating and tvma and all this etc 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 but like this overall scene i loved how you in the beginning you see everyone just breaking up shit and then you get these split moments of each animatronics shadow and i i didn't actually notice this the first time i watched it so like watching this again i was actually able to see that and i was like i didn't notice that I i was like that is really cool because if you don't look closely you can't actually notice it you won't see it like i think you see chicas very well but i think it was foxy that like his shadow popped up in like the corner or something and like if you weren't paying attention you would have not known like he was there and i think that is like the overall aesthetic of the video game itself because you don't know where they're coming from where they're at unless you hear them which or there's like um i think in the game like all the lights go off or no that's the electricity going out never mind but there's times when the electricity actually does go out in this so that's actually pretty cool yeah there's okay um which that also brings up a good point like at the very end of this scene that we just watched um all the lights are flickering which obviously showed that like all of them were there um and that very last part that we just watched with foxy that brought some very nice nostalgic with the video game because one moment foxy is young next moment he's and i just love it and i love that Uh, I think everything you said is right. I have nothing to, to add on or disagree with that. Um, I will say that the rating does feel wrong because I didn't want the movie to be gory, but it feels like they wanted the movie to be gory. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then they just didn't. Yeah. And that's what I mean. Like, I was, I would, I was not expecting FNAF to be a gory movie. But then there's scenes like, um, I mean, like, we get, like, kind of Saw-esque kind of vibes, like, with, like, the, the Freddy mask cutting, um, even though you don't actually see it, right? But I think the goriest part in this, in this movie is when the, the babysitter gets bit in half, right? And then her body falls, and you can see her body. But even then, you don't see the actual, Charlie's pulling it up right now, you don't actually see her die. 
just see her get just cut in half. Which we're gonna see right now. Right. And that's where like the movie really touches on gore a little bit. But then it doesn't. And so like going on with like what Charlie said is is yeah, the movie would have been fine without gore. I would have been okay without gore. Um, but the thing is that every time they keep hinting at it, it then makes it feel like it's missing something. And that's the problem. Um, is that, yeah, they keep hinting at it being rated R to have gore, but it's not rated R. And it feels like it's lacking because of that. I love Foxy's scene as well. I love that they give Foxy the actual only like real jump scare in this movie. Um, especially because in the first game, he doesn't have, like, a real jump scare. He kind of just, like, slides in and is like, hello. So I think it's actually fun that they gave him, they only, they gave him, like, it's redeeming that they gave him the only jump scare. We go into the Vanessa scene again, too. So, oh, my God, do I have a lot to say about this. No, I don't. I love talking about Vanessa and criticizing Vanessa. Why is this movie so anti-sleeping pills? It's not, like, a huge deal. If he was taking, like, Vicodin, then, like, maybe, right? This is where the writing really shows how bad it is. Um, Josh Hutcherson does his best to try to save the writing through his acting, but there are points where he does lack because he just can't. It's unsavable writing. Like, even here, where she's supposed to feel, like, a genuine sadness at the things she lacked in her life, it still feels very poorly acted. Now we're going to go in de deeper into this scene. Um, yeah, so I'm not going to go to the pharmacist scene either, but this movie has a lot of anti-sleeping pill sentiment for some reason. Um, she throw like, there's, like, they're treating him like he's a drug addict, and it does have problems with me because my homie is just taking like cyclobenzaprine like he's not taking like something crazy he's taking a muscle relaxer to go to bed probably because he keeps dreaming about the time his brother got kidnapped i think like that's a pretty fucked up dream i would like to have sleeping pills too so i can go to bed right he says it himself that they help him sleep um yeah but somehow this like they they continuously like i don't know if it's a scott coffin thing or if it's a director thing, or if it's like the fact that it's a again PG thirteen, so they don't want to like promote pills, I guess. But they like make it seem like he's abusing them, and uh, he might be out of his like eagerness and desperation to to go back to that dream, so he can figure out who murdered his brother. But um, yeah, I just don't I don't get it. Again, like if he was taking like an actual like what's the word? Like a, like an, like an addict, like if he was taking Xanax, right? Yeah, if he was taking like Xanax or if he was taking hydrocodone, right? Like if he was like actually like a pill addict, then yeah, then have that sentiment. But like there is something weird about him just taking like classic pills and people being upset about it. So that's my, that's my take on this scene. that honestly like puts like everything in a bit of a perspective because I did notice that and 
I was like, I kind of like brushed it off because I was like, this has no relevance whatsoever. And then when he kind of like goes into like the deep, like, he like, he like talks about like why he was like taking the pills and he's like explaining to like Vanessa that like it's because he wants to discover who took his brother and he thinks that because because based off the book that he's been reading like the dream theory thing it explains that if like dreams can uncover things that you might have not have noticed at the time and being that mike keeps having these dreams he thinks that he'll be able to like figure out who took his brother like who like kidnapped him and i think like the whole thing about like vanessa kind of just like throwing it away being like oh no more sleeping pills like i understood why she did it in the sense of me knowing the ending of this movie and the whole thing about like being alert and all that and i mean in the video game you have to be alert like you can't like take like five seconds to like go get a drink or something like something's gonna happen and but i definitely sympathize the whole idea of like people like being angry about this and like how there was like a negative like idea about sleeping pills because there's nothing wrong with it i mean i personally don't take any but i definitely can sympathize the people that are angry about this I just wanted to quickly talk about the scene because we're about to wrap up and we're going to get more to the end ending scenes that are actually a lot better than all these like middle factors we're watching the building of the fort (laughs) 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 it is it is everyone's not favorite scene out of this whole movie and there's so many memes on social media about this scene and we're not gonna watch it because it's so cringy and i personally don't want to watch it but we're gonna talk about it because it's (laughs) let's unpack this so in this in this moment um abby meets the animatronics and they and she introduces them to mike and he now knows that they move and that they're real and that they're apparently her friends. And later on, Abby's like, can we meet them? And that was really weird. And Mike made a really funny look and was like, are you fucking serious, kid? Um, which I think it was after this, if I'm not mistaken. Or it might be before. I don't remember. And I don't really care to remember too much. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> um, but... Vanessa comes before Mike, so that was a bit off-putting for him. And she knows, and he gets mad, because he's like, why did you know? And all that fun jazz. And then Abby's like, they want to make a fort. And this is where it just gets confusing, because why are they building a fort? What like I understand like a lot of people are like they're trying to express that they are still kids, which I understand, and I'm not complaining about that entirely. But this scene was, I'm gonna say, it was a crime 
and <laughs> I I really wish that this should be illegal, <laughs> in my opinion. Like, I think that this scene made no sense. It was very cute, and I think that to, like, reference back to, like, it being PG-13 and stuff, it was trying to be a little bit more wholesome compared to the rest of the movie, and I don't know. I personally would have not put this in, but I guess to, like, fit it into the story, I guess it made sense, but... It doesn't, it doesn't, I, I am truly trying to justify it, but obviously it, no. I mean, yeah, adding on to that, um, this scene has no place in the story. I don't know what Charlie's talking about. This scene has nothing to do with the overall story of this movie. It has nothing to do with the story of the game. Like, it's not like it hints at the game either. It has almost no place. It is like the extra Lego pieces that you get at the end of the of the set, and you're like, where the fuck do I put these? That's, oh, it's yeah, it's filler. And there's and the thing is that the movie is an hour and forty nine minutes, and they could have just cut this scene out, and no one would have gave a fuck. Like, um, there's certain like, I feel like there's like the beginning of the scene in which Abby's like friends with them and stuff. I think could have been important to the development of the story. But the fort building is only important if they're hinting at the fact that there's going to be a Fortnite collab, right? And, all right, like, they're building a fort at night. Is there a Fortnite FNAF collab is the true question. And, yeah, I, other than that, I don't give a fuck about this. Um, the part where Bonnie falls down and he just, like, gives a thumbs up is one of the most cringiest scenes I've seen out of any movie ever. In th- in that scenario, they make Bonnie seem like he's that classic jock that is like very stupid and dumb, but is the strongest one of the group. And if you know Bonnie's like background of like who how he became an animatronic and what happened when he died, he was fighting. So he it makes him the like kind of the, the aggressive one of the group, other than like Foxy, I would say. Um. And so, like, in this moment, you kind of can relate to it being like, oh, they're trying to make Bonnie seem like that jock from every high school movie that you ever see in your life, where they're stupid and dumb, and they do stupid things, and they're like, yeah, I'm great, pal. I did not just fall. Like, and I think that's what, like, really put a, like, a foul thing on Bonnie's animatronic character because Bonnie isn't supposed to be like that. Bonnie's supposed to be the, like, tough one, the aggressive one, the one that, like, causes probably more damage than anyone. And I think it was, like, very harsh of, like, the writers to, like, be like, oh, yeah, let's make this, like, silly and fun. Bonnie's not silly. Bonnie's not fun. Bonnie's, like, Bonnie fought to stay alive and he couldn't and i think doing this to bonnie's character really just put like a horrible stereotype on aggressive people that are like always automatically going to be the people that are like the stupid ones like the strongest ones are always the stupidest ones and i think it was very unfair for the writers to write bonnie's animatronic character like that 
I don't know, I've never looked at it that way, but there is a really good, like, interpretation of this. This is the third time I'm watching this movie, and, um, and, yeah, I, every time I watch it, I've tried to find redeeming qualities in this scene, and it's just not. There's no, there's no significance to it. Um, especially because literally, like, almost two scenes before this, we see them just fucking murder people in, like, a really brutal way. And there is this, there is this idea of, like, oh, do we give them the excuse, like, because they're children, and, you know, like, Abby's a child, so they have mercy towards children, but then, like, we remember Mike falling out of his chair, right? And there's these things where we remember that the animatronics are, like, bad, but at the same time, they are also friends with Abby, and if I didn't know anything about the games, right, if I didn't know that the animatronics were kids, right, that their ghosts were in this, their, these, these suits, and I'm just watching this movie for the first time, I would have no fucking idea what's going on, right? I would be like, why the fuck are these killer robots hanging out with this kid? And why are they, like, building forts? This part is really, like, it almost seems like it's geared towards people who understand the background and the backstory of the video game, but disappoints them because it doesn't make sense, right? Like, nobody, like I said, it doesn't hint at the game in any way. It doesn't give the, the people who are really into the lore, like, oh my god, I remember that, right? Like, but it somehow it's still geared towards them. So, that's my take. And I mean, there's, I could go, we could make a whole hour and a half video about this scene specifically, but we're gonna move on. Next scene. Just to, like, look at specifically the, like, picture that I just, like, put on the scene. That is an awesome... It is! That is! This is such a nice shot. And I'm gonna geek out for a second because I'm currently making a short film. And I've done one shot exactly like this. And it's just a doorway shot. Golden Freddy is on the line of the third, the line of thirds, the rule of thirds. He is just perfect. The lighting's perfect. He looks perfect. The shot is perfect. Like, I fiend for these types of shots in films because door through the doorway shots are so creative, so like for like this scene specifically, it just kind of like it creates distance between Golden Freddy and Abby who is walking down the hallway and I just genuinely love these types of like shots because it just like it gives you it gives a way to like use that negative space in a positive way by like not having to like figure out what to put in the set so it doesn't create that unnecessary negative space and using a through the doorway shot is a perfect way to do that especially in a introduction to a character like golden freddy and showing like because at first when you watch the scene you automatically assume that it's freddy which is what abby does but the lighting actually really helps recognize that it isn't freddy and i didn't realize that until after watching the film like after it was over after i got home and i was like wait a second Freddy, why did I think that was Freddy? And you automatically assume that because obviously it's Golden Freddy and not regular Freddy. So I genuinely just love this shot and I will talk about it for days because I love it so much. <laughs> um, 
and to like kind of unpack this scene because i mean i'll play it while we talk um basically golden freddy comes to retrieve abby after kind of just like breaking out because they have already trapped mike yeah they trapped mike um yeah mike sacrifices his sister like a dumbass but then he realized that he made a mistake and as we can see oh she's sleeping on jane is apparently not dead she's sleeping according to golden freddy which i thought that was really funny and you get a lovely cameo of corey right now because i've never watched corey so i have no clue who he is i have no idea what the hype was for this man but apparently i have to have hype so <laughs> the the corey kenshin uh scene in this is is great i love the cameo what i don't and i love that he says his line why do i always get the weirdos right um what i don't like about it and this is what i'll say is this kind of goes hand in hand with the fort scene like it's fucking weird right like it, it's so out of place that it feels weird like like the the matt pat cameo feels like it's in place right they're at the diner he's the waiter he says the line life moves on everyone's like oh my god the cory kenshin part you know he's in a taxi okay who's paying this taxi driver right like is the girl paying the taxi driver is fucking golden freddy paying it who paid that's number one question number two right what the fuck right i mean like like it's so weird it's so like out there like it, it becomes kiddish at this point everything that's happened after like what Charlie's talking about, like the doorway shot is such a powerful shot. We see Golden Freddy's design. We see them meeting up. We see uh what's her name? Aunt Jane? Aunt Jane's um legs by the couch. You know she's dead, right? But you have this childlike innocence of the fact that you know that the that Abby thinks she's not, right? And you you really get a sense of the seriousness and the all powerfulness of Golden Freddy, right? He's the only animatronic and only ghost who could escape Freddy, right? And I feel like that's already showing the amount of power and anger and vengeance that he has as a spirit. And then it's in instantly, immediately coupled with this really goofy scene, right? To have Corey Kenshin um, and his uh, cameo. But again, the cameo could have been done in any other way, and it was really weird. Um, and off-putting for them to force it in there with the Golden Freddy scene. So, if anything, they should have put it, like, right at the fort scene. So, at least they went hand-in-hand. Hand, but instead, it's weird. That's my take. We'll keep moving along because we're getting close to the end. And we're going to talk about Sparkle. Badly. Um, just going, coming to another meme that I've seen a lot on TikTok recently. And it is the scene which I'll play while talking. It's when Abby gets kidnapped, pretty much, and Chica has already taken him, taken them to the back to get killed. And obviously, <laughs> we in this scene, there's a lot of memes going on in which Bonnie can clearly see Mike, clearly, and. They're trying to get Freddy's attention, apparently. Yeah, okay, so a lot of people automatically assume that, like, Bonnie was getting, like, Mike's attention. 
in this, which I don't see it. But apparently he he is. Yeah, like the whole like movement, like look, he's right there, he's right there, he's right there. Yeah, which I. Um, but there was like a lot of like TikTok memes, and I'm pretty sure if I opened my TikTok right now, it would be right there. Um, where a lot of people were like making a bunch of videos talking about this scene specifically, and was like pretty much being like Bonnie obviously telling Freddie that Mike is literally right there he's in broad daylight and then you know it go it cuts to someone like dancing and like vibing to the song uh, of Freddie dancing kind of ignoring it like Freddie's just vibing he's like he doesn't care what like what's going on in life he's just trying to enjoy the music and then obviously he turns which there is so many memes about this, which I still don't understand the meme, but I think it's really funny, and I genuinely like this meme on TikTok. It's the only Five Nights at Freddy's like TikTok meme that I honestly enjoyed from the movie, other than like the bed trick and stuff. But I just always thought <laughs> this scene in particular and how the like FNAF audience like took it and made it into a very interesting like social media um, trend to, I guess, like, bring a much more positive vibe to the movie, even though the movie is completely trash, but they got something good out of it. And I think it's just, like, a decent way to, like, create, like, I guess, light in the darkness of this movie. <laughs> um, and how badly everyone hated this movie and just, like, having this moment of just kind of like, let's create a meme out of it. Let's try to bring some joy into what the writers have created and ruined, like, a piece of, like, our childhood. So I, I don't know. I just wanted to, like, talk about it because I genuinely like the TikTok memes so much for some reason, and I think it's really good. And I honestly really wanted to keep rewatching this scene to see if that actually is factual what people are saying but i mean if you have another take and if you have like whatever like if you can better explain it better in the comments then you can go ahead and like i don't know like hit me up or something be like that this is this and like do like a full-on breakdown i don't know do whatever you want but <laughs> yeah i do i love the meme as well i think it's funny um it always raises questions but it's like why ask you know the question that I always want to ask is like, are the kids like doing the doing the dancing? Like, are they excited to like be killing these people, and that's why they're like rocking out? Or is it like they're programmed? Like, is it the robots that took over, the animatronics that took over? Um, but like I said, why bother asking? Uh, this movie has gone beyond logic at this point, and uh, we're gonna get to I think one of my favorite scenes in this movie. Is that is that you? Is it, you can play the transition scene? That's what we're doing. This scene was probably the best thing that the creators of this movie did. And as a film geek and a lover of cinematography and all of that fun jazz, this was the only good thing that they did for this movie. 
and I'm going to play it, and we're going to watch it, and then we're just going to talk about it, because it's just so good. And then we're going to get into Springtrap, and then we're going to finish it up. But, let's play some games. Yeah, this scene is incredibly powerful. Um, we can go into an analytical thing about it, but first, let's just, like, let's just take a moment to really embrace and admire the beauty of that scene um, in the transition, right? Like... That's crazy. I think my favorite thing about that part is that it's, A, you know that none of it's CGI, right? Like, everything on it is legit. The camera is actually recording you. I think, I mean, as my, as far as I can tell, there's not, there's no cut in it. Like, it's very, like, it's very smooth, right? Kid exits, animatronic enters, and to know, to know the complexity of the production of doing that is super cool. Um... But also, it's real, right? Like, we're not watching CGI come in and do the thing. We're not watching Kid Fade Out CGI in. We're watching Kid Fade Out actual animatronic, like, puppet coming in. And it makes it so much more real. And honestly, is the is the most redeeming quality of this film, not just in this scene, in this scene, but the fact that the animatronics are real, right, brings so much more depth. It. I think like people didn't realize how much they were missing with CGI being invented until you get this movie. And then they do fucked up shit with it. Like they make them build forts, right? Like we're going to keep coming back to that scene, but but because but <laughs> it's truly the worst scene of that movie. But this scene is the be is easily top three. Yeah, easily top three best scene. Okay, yeah. We love Foxy. Foxy is just the best. We did Foxy probably the best out of all the animatronics. I was never particularly a huge Foxy fan, if I'm not mistaken. I think my brother was. Um, I think I was a huge Freddy fan because I was just I like love teddy bears and shit. But um, I loved that they gave Foxy all this like. Just, just, just fame. Foxy honestly deserves a Grammy. No, an Oscar for what he did because, you know, Foxy. And even though he doesn't talk, he does these dun 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 dun. I actually found out who actually did the voice of him. Um, um, it's it's the guy that actually voiced the some of the animatronics in the video games. Um, I forgot his, I think it's like Kellen Colf or something. It's some weird first name. I know his last name starts with a C. But, I actually just saw it last night, like, of him announcing it finally, because the writer's strike is over, and the actor's strike, everyone. Every, we get our movies now, which is amazing, and the strike ended two days ago, which is the best news in production history because now we get our movies after waiting years and Stranger Things starts up in a couple weeks of filming. So I'm I'm genuinely very excited for that, but um it was very it's like it was very unique to know, like his speech, the guy that voices uh Foxy's dumb 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 no noise. Um he like talked about like how Scott Pelham um like personally asked him to do it 
and it's so wonderful of how amazing like the FNAF like community was and how all of them are still like 100% down to like work for this movie even though like it flopped and it it's upsetting because it did so poorly but yet it's doing very well in the box office right now but it's because all of us like all of us like in this generation and the young generation even the older generation are seeing this movie for like the nostalgic factor and trying to like we want to we've been waiting for this movie for what like two to three years now we have more than that we have five years and knowing like everyone that was brought into it a lot of people were upset that Microplier wasn't in it but thank god he kind of wasn't because he would have not been able to like he would have been like I know you guys are talking all negative about it but you know I don't know man <laughs> I don't know I don't watch Microplier so I, I was trying Bruh. to do an impression so like it didn't really work it didn't really work out that well <laughs> um but it's it just like the people that took part in this it's really disappointing to like know that like they worked so hard to create this and it ends up not being what it had it should have been like and it's it's really sad because I really wish this movie was like better I had like I had s like so many people had so much high expectations for it so like being that all our expectations were high and then we just get it just it's a complete disappointment. So. Honestly, my expectations weren't even that high. Uh, most video game interpretation or most movie interpretations of video games are never that good. Um, but yeah, I was still really disappointed because the story didn't make any sense. Uh, I think honestly, the story about Mike and his sister and his brother getting kidnapped and all that stuff is a phenomenal story, and it. Actually, like, it should be its own movie. Like, that, like, a movie about, a like, a really broken brother who raises, like, like it's, it's, a, it's like, um, oh, my God, what's that one movie? What's Eating Gilbert Grape kind of, like, theme, right? It's a really good movie if it was on its own. But then they force the animatronics into it. And for the first part, like, the job and all that stuff, it works out. And then the fort scene comes in. <laughs> and then, and then... The dis and then the writing shows. Vanessa, the 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 introduction of Vanessa is also the introduction of just how poor the writing becomes. Um, and I don't blame anyone, right? Scott Cawthon took part in writing this movie, and if you haven't read the books, then you're not missing out on much because people who read them, including myself, know that the books are really bad. He's a really bad writer. He's really good at video game making and story creation and world building, but he's a terrible writer. And um, yeah, for so anyone to think like, oh man, well here's this really poor writer, um, this really bad author, and we're going to make him write the scripts for this movie, you're going to get shitty lines. And he writes his books the way this movie is written. Um, and you can tell it in the style. And, of course, this movie was also written by other writers as well. But Scott Cawthon did take part in the in the writing of this movie. 
and it really showed through. So that's why I was disappointed was because I wasn't expecting it to be so lackluster in the writing. Let's get into the the best scene, easily the best scene. The entrance is so powerful. The way he walks in just like he does in the third game is so important. This part about the ball pit, if you didn't know, is actually from the book, from the first book. So it was important to the lore. Pisses me off so much. Why she care about the fox? He just tried to fucking kill her. He Foxy just tried to kill her. And she's fucking worried about him. This was the only like big scene I got excited for at the theaters. And it was only because, like, Springtrap was the only animatronic, well, yeah, like, character that was portrayed correctly. And, I mean, overall, like, Matthew <laughs> was is, like, amazing. Like, he his acting is spectacular. And this was the only part of the movie that just made sense with the lore. And... I wish that the way that they did this movie, we just got more of a basic understanding of the lore. And I think they tried to, like, make it for those that knew about it. And I think that's what ruined it. Because, like, why does he have bullet holes in his suit right now? What happened? What happened in the past that triggers Vanessa so much? Like, we... we, we us that know the lore would know it, but those that don't, don't. And it truly, like, destroys how impactful this scene is and why spri- the entrance of Springtrap is so important to this whole thing, this whole story. And I And it sucks because we get these, we get two separate stories throughout this whole movie. Like, we get the animatronic story, but then we also have, you know, Mike and Abby. And I think this scene completely is just completely separated from everything else. And, I mean, we get that understanding that obviously Springtrap killed Garrett and made him an animatronic. Or, did he? Or, well, I mean, we... We yeah we don't really get told that we just kind of that suspicion yeah, but so that like kind of helps follow like Mike's story and all that. But then you get the whole separate story with like Mike and Abby and the whole custody situation. And I think like um, Coffee said like it should be its own thing. Like that whole storyline should be its own thing. And I think we should have stuck to just the whole thing about Mike and Garrett and all that. And I think it would have helped the movie a little bit better. But watching it in theaters, this whole scene, was so impactful to me. Like, I felt it, like, deep down in my chest. Like, my heart was, like, accelerating, I think, like, when watching it. Because I'm like, shit, Springtrap is here. It Like, the his entrance... The way that he was talking, just this whole scene in general was so, it was just like so amazing to watch and witness 
and I was so glad I was able to witness in, in theaters and not at home what my my family did <laughs> um and I think like just overall like this whole wrap-up was just a good time and not to kind of recover all the awfulness that this movie has given us throughout the whole one hour and 49 minutes that it has ran including the fort scene um (laughs) 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 yeah the fort scene um but i never I don't think I will regret, like, will ever regret spending $9 at the theater I went to to see this movie. Because I think witnessing it in theaters was much better than sitting at home in my bed watching it on this current laptop that we're using. I think it would have ruined it, and I don't think I would have gotten the same, like, experience that I did, but kind of, but I don't know. I just love this scene in general, and I think it was done very, very well, and I know Coffee listens well, and she has the biggest deep bias into Sensei about it. (laughs) I have a lot of things to talk about the spring trap scene. Um, Yes, so spring trap scene. I love the scene. I think it was great until he starts talking, Um, and there's reasons for that. I'm not upset that he's talking. I'm more upset about the lines, right? Again, we come back to the writing. Um, the part where he's like, first I kill your brother, now I kill you. It's symmetry, my friend. It's like, why is he saying that, right? Like, I don't, it's, it becomes cheesy. It becomes a cliche. This scene right here is important. I really like this scene where, you know, we get revealed that Matthew Lillard is my, is William Afton. We... I mean, we already knew that, but I like it. I like it because the entrance of Springtrap, when he comes in and he's walking in all, like, limp and stuff, makes you think that he's, like, already the animatronic, right? And then you see it, right? Um, but then it raises questions. Why is he so strong, right? Like, he, like, at first I'm seeing him, he's fucking beating the shit out of Mike. It's like, oh, man, you know, like, th- he's a powerful spirit, right? He's a powerful ghost. But then he takes off the the... the the mask and you realize he's just a guy in a suit and he's like why is he like kicking Mike up like three feet in the air um like how is he so strong this part doesn't make any fucking sense I really really oh I really dislike this part as much as I dislike the fort scene the drawings the drawing scene does not make any sense in the story I mean it does a little bit but it still doesn't um you can fast forward it quite a bit My favorite part is when he chokes the shit out of Vanessa for saying that stupid-ass joke again, and then he fucking stabs her. Uh, yeah, fuck this character. Fuck Vanessa as a character, f- for reals. I don't like her. Um, the movie could have done without her. Yeah, fuck Vanessa as a character. I'm really glad she gets stabbed at this point. At this point in the theater, I was like, oh, fucking thank God, right? The Vanessa hatred from this man. <laughs> I hate Vanessa. She's a bad character. But... To kind of, like, go into, like, the whole, like, drawing thing, I think the whole point behind it was to emphasize that a lot can be said through a drawing. And in this moment, 
obviously Abby is revealing to the animatronics that Afton killed them because they automatically assume that Afton was this like overall like great person, this leader to them that treated them kindly and they were jumping and you know going through the meadow but now they're seeing the actual truth which becomes like this huge like this huge betrayal in both perspectives like the animatronics are thinking wow this guy really portrayed us and made us think that we were killed by someone else that he was the one that saved them he was the one that like made them who they are and then they they find out that he killed them and i think as children that would be probably the most like heartbreaking thing to find out and being that they are these these strong animatronics they can do something about it and on the other hand you know afton is feeling this sense of betrayal towards them because he's like why are you going against me why are you choosing to like betray me now because i'm the one that created you and then you know we see the them unlocking the spring traps which is how kind of his name comes out spring traps which is how his like name kind of came into play but you can keep going yeah william afton's death scene is so good in this movie but again it is one of those things where yeah it's one of those things where again the um the story then loses the the uh whatchamacallit the significance of the lore for two reasons one, it makes it sound like William Afton in this movie kills himself on purpose and as an idea to like come back, right? And it is one of those things that in the lore, or if you like really pay attention to the game, it doesn't make sense because you know that William Afton dies in an accident. Um, but he hides in the suit to make fun and like kind of like he's laughing at them. He's laughing at the animatronics. He's laughing at their spirits. He's, he's, he has this power over them and then boom, all the spring locks drop, and he dies. Um, and that's something you miss out of this, right? He's, it seems like he kills himself on purpose, but it's not its not bad for the movie, right? The movie does it, and it makes sense. Um, when they carry him to the back, and he's, like, switching, right? It's, like, my favorite scene in this movie because it's so close to the actual trailer for the video game. Um, Golden Freddy closes the door on him, and he's switching, and he's there. And this is exactly how he is in the game, uh, or in the trailer for the video game. And I really, really like this scene. It does a lot of it justice. Um, but again, it feels like they're trying to, they were trying to smush, like, all three storylines into one. And that's what makes it hard. Um, and Springtrap is a character that I'm really glad is in the game, or and really glad in, is in the movie. Um, and they really do it justice in a lot of ways but there are things like that that do mess it up because like the i always come back line which is william afton's tagline he says after he dies right he says it after he becomes springtrap because the idea is that he realizes that he's immortal now and that he's always coming back but he he hides in the springtrap suit out of fear in the first time and he dies out of fear not out of um the the that kind of uh, ego, right? Um, 
but I think it did a lot of it justice. It's the best scene in this movie by far. Again, it, it does touch on gore a little bit again, and then it, like, reels it back. It's, like, as if they have to call back the special effects person. It's, like, yo, you can't be doing that um, with the Stringlock thing. I wish the Stringlock could have done what it went in and add more detail. Um, you know, I want to hear Dolly cry. I want to see it. I want – this is one of those scenes where I actually do want gore to be implemented um, so that's all I have to say about the scene, that, that scene actually, I think it's really good yeah um, so that was pretty much the finish of the movie it kind of ends with that whole um, it ends with like Mike getting custody of Abby, Abby's doing better she's actually now talking to people and that's pretty much kind of the sum up it ends with like you know Gordon Freddy closing the door on spring trap which Coffee went into, and then there's the end credits, which gotta give love to Balloon Boy because we get these moments in which we see Balloon Boy, and I think Balloon Boy is probably the most funniest and the only p- person throughout this whole movie that gave a jump scare. <laughs> like, for this, <laughs> yeah, but like, not like too much, like. It like Balloon Boy actually gave like a jump scare to me, like for this ending credit with Corey, like he did it perfectly. Like it was perfect. It was it l- was legit like the video game and how Balloon Boy just appears and is like hello, and I thought it was just I I thought that was like probably like the best jump scare compared to like Foxy's, like Balloon Boy was definitely close second, um. And I just have fully, I've, I've, I'm, I have huge appreciation for Balloon Boy. I love him. He's, he's a darling. He wants your batteries. Just in case you guys don't know, he wants your batteries. Um, but, yeah, that's the movie. That's Five Nights at Freddy's. Um, not that great. If you watch it, good luck. Hopefully you take our, like, critiques into consideration if you decide to watch this again (laughs) um and to be honest as much as it was a huge disappointment 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 um i am really happy that they finally decided to make this this movie despite the fact that it was pretty shitty i am really happy that they made live animatronics for it so they put a lot of effort into the production and everything else. The writing was just the only thing that they really screwed up on, but the writing is really bad. But the production setup, all the hard work that everyone behind the scenes had to do in order to create this movie, I give them a round of applause because they put so much hard work in all these years to be able to do this. And I don't think people give enough credit to those behind the scene. And that's always something that me and my father always used to talk about, was the people behind the, gene, the behind the scenes that are in that long list of credits at the very end where everyone leaves theater and doesn't take the time to read. And those people are the reason why so many great movies are the way that they are. And despite the fact that this was a horrible one in the writing point of view, 
the production, the animatronics, the lighting, everything that was done in order to create what we have seen was the Five Nights at Freddy's and the Freddy Fazbear Pizza Parlor and all that. They did a wonderful job. And I will always praise them more than the writing and the story because the writing and the story sucks ass. And they will forever, they should be winning awards for production. That's the only award that they should be winning. Nothing else. If they win, I swear to God, if they win a award for best writing, I am going to cry and I'm going to sue the Academy because they know they're wrong. They know they're wrong. And whoever voted on best writing, uh, you cheated and you know that you should not have done that. That's my final remarks. Yeah. Um, yeah, this, this movie's production is great. I really, really like that it's all real. Um, I think there's there's like a lot of things like even like in the old Star Wars movies where all of the char- like all of the characters are real, all the costumes are real, right? Um, Alien is a great horror movie where the costume is real. Uh, Predator again, like we can name horror movies that go back to years, and we can name them as classics, the greats, right? Like um, there's a, I listed a- Alien for an example, right? And Alien did something to the horror genre, right? And like, and redid horror as we know it, as as a film genre. And one of those things was the real the realism of the of the xenomorph itself. This is what left the NAF movies in, right? Like they're real. The actors have something real to act with. The the audience has something real to interact with. It's not CGI what everyone is used to. It's something real and scary and there. Um, and I really, really enjoy that. But, yeah. That is... Yeah. Yeah. That is Lights, Camera, Char Talk with our, our gracious host, Charlie, and myself, who's a cookie, um, which is coffee creamer. And you should 100% subscribe to Charlie Productions. Uh, how often are you doing these episodes? Every week. Every every week these episodes will be out. So feel free to subscribe. Um, do you have an idea what movie you're doing next time? I don't know. We don't know. Charlie does not know what movie they're going to review next time. But... Just know it's going to be a good video. Um, yeah, subscribe to me as well at Gargantuan Muscles. Please, I got another video coming out this uh, later this week. Um, yeah, so feel free to check me out. Uh, and yeah, thank you for having me as a guest on this, on this great show. We have been recording for a really long time. And uh, it is now like 12 o'clock in the morning. And um yeah, I'm really glad that we spent a long time watching the FNAF movie. Uh, it was a really great way to end my night. And um, <laughs> <I> <laughs> and good night, everyone. <laughs>